Welcome to Graceway Baptist Church. This is our Sunday School lesson for April the 3rd. It's uh, kind of funny. We've uh, had a couple of times because of weather or something like that where we've not had Sunday School, so shifting all these dates. Hard for me to keep up with all of those changes, but this is for April the 3rd of 2022, and we're going to talk again about the miracles of Jesus and we're talking today about him calming the storm. This is one of those very, very, very familiar stories. But uh, hopefully the Lord has something a little bit more than just an event that took place and the circumstances of the event, that there is some spiritual meaning here and some spiritual nourishment for our souls. You know, I've noticed that... Um, as time goes by in life, and maybe this has always been the case for previous generations, maybe it's just the way the world goes and the way things go even as we age, but it seems like that everybody right now is just kind of tired and they're um, uh, kind of in despair sometimes. And uh, there's a lot of pain and a lot of hurt because this world just just saps the life out of you. I heard someone say one time that a, a raisin is just a grape with its hopes and dreams sucked out. Well, that's kind of the way I think uh, for a lot of us in this age, we're sort of like spiritual raisins. Do you know anybody who is truly and genuinely happy? And I don't know, there's a lot of things that contribute to that. We have 24 hour news cycles now that we didn't have when I was a kid. We've got social media and we've got, uh, you know, we can be instantly updated uh, on just about anything. And it doesn't matter if it's a, an earthquake in, you know, someplace on the other side of the world, that back when I was a kid, you wouldn't hear about it for two days. Now you hear about it instantly. And it's everything from that to war, but even down to personal things. When Somebody, uh, you know, your second cousin or your aunt or a grandparent or somebody has something that goes wrong. You get a text about it or you get a phone call about it immediately. And uh, I think all of that is just sort of pulling us down. And we need some nourishment for our souls. And one of the things that is so important about just reading the Word of God and talking about the Word of God. And this is why Sunday school, Sunday school can really help your mental and emotional outlook because we are feeding your soul with something that really matters and something of substance. And so my prayer today is that as you watch this video or listen, as the case may be, that even if you're going to be teaching this lesson, that it first would feed your soul and nourish you and uh, then allow you to overflow in a good way on Sunday morning as you teach this lesson. Or if you're watching this because you uh, are going through some things or you're out of town or you're sick, whatever it may be, that it might just nourish your soul. Because when you think about Jesus calming the storm, uh, that is an actual event, an actual historical event. Jesus actually was out on the Sea of Galilee, and he actually did find himself in a storm. The disciples were actually in um, a panic, and uh, Jesus did calm it down. But at the same time, think about us. Many times 
that before we ever see the storm on the outside, there's a storm going on on the inside of us. And it's not just old people, it's young people as well. The suicide rates are uh, very high right now among younger people who should be the most optimistic, forward-looking of all of us. And yet they're having trouble as well. The storm needs to be calm. Let's read out of the Gospel of Matthew, and I would invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with me to that. Matthew chapter 8, 23 through 27, not very many verses. But uh, let's just keep in mind that the storms that we face in life really are a promised reality. We're told that we're going to have problems and trials and pressures. Jesus said that um, we would have tribulation in this world. Tribulation, uh, the Greek word is thlipsis, kind of hard to say. And um, it means pressure. And that's another word for stress. But he also said that he was going to give us his peace. And he said, take heart for I have overcome the world with all of its problems, everything that's going on. Jesus has already overcome. He's not just going to, he already has. And he has a way of giving us peace. We've just got to go to him. So um, what will you do when fierce storms arise in your life as they will? Flee or have faith? Say, let's, let's talk about it again. Matthew 8, 23 through 27. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. A good thing for disciples to do, by the way. Verse 24, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, the Sea of Galilee, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Not just a calm, a mega calm, a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can do this? Who can this be, pardon me, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Typically, we think of the wind and the sea as uh, doing its own thing and nobody being able to really predict it much or to control it. And uh, this is something that particularly back in that day when they didn't have the um, meteorological technology that we have now, Uh, these storms could come up and it was common to come up on the Sea of Galilee very, very fast and to be very, very severe, as you can see from the description of this. And so, first of all, the thing that I want you to notice in dealing with storms and those kind of things that come into our life, it, it was true then as it is true now, true in that situation as it is in our situation. Number one, The Lord leads with both command and promise. It's like they're linked together and hooked together like a train. The Lord leads with command and promise. Now, 
that's going to be something that uh, we're going to have to talk about and understand because in verse 23, it says he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Okay, now what, what's the point of getting into the boat? We've got to look at one of the other gospels to get the uh, background story on this. Mark 4:35. go ahead and turn there. It says, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Okay, so he had commanded them. They just didn't get arbitrarily into a boat. They had a purpose. They had a goal. They had a reason. And Luke 8, 22 gives us a little more. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And in Mark and Luke, you'll notice that there was a command involved in this. Go get in the boat. And the command was to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, certainly Jesus, being an all-knowing uh, being, a God, a Lord, as we call him, <coughs> he knew of the storm. So he was not caught off guard by the storm at all. And being God, he had the power to deal with the storm. And he didn't tell the disciples about the storm. In fact, he actually led them in a path that intersected with the storm. The storm was going to come. He knew it. Get into the boat. Why didn't he wait an hour? Why didn't he do it an hour earlier? He wanted them to run into the storm. That's maybe a little bit difficult for us to grasp that this was no accident, that Jesus was actually literally taking the disciples by command into the storm. Okay? Same thing is true in our life. He's either sovereign or he's not. And the steps of the righteous are either ordered of God or they're not. And we're just living by a series of unfortunate events, uh, coincidence, that type of thing, luck, fatalism, whatever you want to call it. And uh, th that's not what the Bible teaches. And if you're going to be a person of faith, you're going to have to have faith in the Lord and in his ways. Now, why would the Lord Jesus possibly want to lead them into a storm? I would think, humanly, that uh, he would want to lead us out of the storms, keep us away from the storms. But it's clear here the command is going to take them into, right into the storm. But there's also a promise in this. It's not only, you know, get in the boat and go. It's get in the boat and go where? To the other side. To the other side. Now the disciples, Master, wake up, we are perishing. Keep in mind that when we talk about these disciples, there's a number of them that are professionals who uh, are used to being in a boat, used to handling a boat. They're used to the weather. They're used to being out on the sea. They're fishermen, after all. They're pros. And uh, when the waves are coming up over the boat, the storm is so severe, apparently it's one of those kind that is even worse than they are used to. And they said, wake up. We are what? Perishing. Okay, that's a word that means we're dying. 
they really thought that they were in peril of losing their life. They weren't just saying this stinks. They weren't just saying this is rough. They weren't just saying uh, we didn't expect this. They were saying we are getting ready to die, to lose our lives. Now, there was something that they forgot in there. Jesus did not say, get into the boat and let's see if we can make it to the other side. He didn't say, get into the boat and maybe we'll get to the other side. There was a promise there, wasn't there? Get into the boat, that's the command, and go to the other side. Well, there's a command linked with a promise that Jesus did not intend to die or to perish in the boat. Jesus did not intend for them to die, and neither did he intend to die in the middle of the uh, Sea of Galilee himself. Now, we've got to think about this in this kind of uh, 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 a way or terms like this. Jesus came to earth to do what? And you know that. He came to earth to die on the cross to pay for our sins. Is that death in the lake going to accomplish that? No. A watery grave going to accomplish that? No. He had a date with the cross. How many times did Jesus say, my hour has not yet come? Then in John 17, when it's just about time for him to be arrested and taken to trial at Pilate and then to the cross, he said, my hour has come. This is a date with destiny that the Lord had. And so the Lord is not planning on dying in this boat in a storm. But the disciples didn't get that. They didn't catch that. They didn't put it all together. Now, you and I don't have any excuse. We've got 2,000 years of Christian history. Think of all the books, the commentaries, all of the sermons, everything that we have at our fingertips that, that feed our theology and our actions and everything now that they did not have. Not to mention, you've got 66 books of the Bible. They didn't have 66 books of the Bible. And uh, so the, the Word of God had not been completed yet. They had the Old Testament, but they didn't have it available to them where they could look it up on their phone or their iPad or their uh, desktop or anything like that. They didn't even have it in book form. Uh, books were extremely rare during the time of Jesus. They had scrolls, but scrolls were expensive and they were bulky and they were heavy to try to carry around. Can you imagine carrying around uh, at least 66 scrolls anywhere you would go? And so they didn't have the availability of the scripture that we have. And uh, what's our excuse for our panic whenever we find ourselves in a storm. We can criticize the disciples, but we really need to look into the mirror first. Now, the Lord is always with us, just like he was with them, and he is never present without his power, and he knows the storms that we will go through, and he has chosen those storms, actually, hasn't he? And he goes through them with us, and he can calm the storms of life, at any time. So when he told the disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side, we can uh, kind of uh, take that to say, 
He is the one who has placed us in this life, placed us in this world at this particular time with all of the things that are going on in life and in the world. And he was saying, go to the other side. And by the other side, we mean uh, go on until it's time to go to heaven. He has promised to take us and to be with us and to take us to heaven so that where he is there, we may be also. So we need to rest in the Lord, the command and the promise. See how those two things, I hope that's uh, clear as mud and hope it makes sense. And number two, the Lord often leads out of the storm by going through the storm. The Lord often leads out of the storm by going straight in and through the storm. I, I, wish it, I wish it weren't that way. I wish that we could say, oh, Lord, get me out of this storm. And he would say, yeah, let's go around it or let's go over it or something like that. Um, it's always interesting when you're in an airplane to fly over storms and to look down on them and see lightning flashing and uh, that type of thing. I flew one time in uh, 1992. I had to fly to Boston and it was over the July 4th weekend and it was really kind of cool. We were, it was a night flight and I'm flying over there looking out the window and looking down on firework shows. That's an interesting perspective. And um, when we think about the storms, though, the Lord doesn't always take us around them. Sometimes he does. That's his prerogative. Sometimes he takes us over them. That's his prerogative, but not always. Sometimes he wants us to go straight through. I think about the verse that says that uh, we'll never be tempted above what we're able to bear, but with it, he provides a way of escape. Okay, if we stop the verse right there, I'm happy. I'm a happy camper. Good. Way of escape. That sounds good to me. Where's the escape? I don't like this, Lord. I'm being tested here and I don't like it. Where's the way of escape? Well, let's finish the verse. That you may be able to endure it. What? I've got to endure it? That's my escape? Yeah. Sometimes the escape through the storms of temptation is you start walking and it hits and you walk through it until you get to the other side of the storm. That's just life. And that's what the disciples had to do in this. They went right into the storm. Jesus is with them. And the way they're going to get out of the storm is to go through the storm. You're going through some things now. Every believer is either just coming out of a storm or they're in a storm or they're headed towards a storm, okay? Maybe I should say it like this, headed to a storm, in a storm, or they've just come out of a storm. That, that's better, isn't it? And that's the way your life is. That's the way my life is. None of us have a charmed life that keeps us out of all of that. That's just the way it is until we get to heaven. And so it says that suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, verse 24, so that the boat was covered with the waves. That is, that's a scary thing. And so I've already quoted, uh, kind of paraphrased, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 about the temptation. You know, people say sometimes, because they misinterpret 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, no temptation has overtaken you such as is common to man. You're not unique. 
But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, I know the Lord will never give us more than we can bear. Where'd you get that? What chapter and verse are you about? Well, you just read it. No, the verse that I read said no temptation. No temptation is overtaking you except that which is common to man. Everybody goes through those things. And uh, that it's not something that you're not able to bear. Temptation, not life, not problems, not trials, not assignments. In fact, I find that in the Bible, God regularly gives his people assignments that are bigger than they are. You think David was equipped to handle Goliath in his own strength? No, he had to have the power of God. Do you think Joshua, that his marching around Jericho could make the walls fall? No, his marching didn't do that. He was just obeying God. It was God who knocked the walls down. And so we find that in life, there are always going to be those things that are bigger than we are, that are tougher than we are, that are harder than we ever expected. And that's what the disciples are doing. They were in a storm, listen, that they couldn't handle. Even the pros couldn't handle it. They thought they were going to die. So it was bigger than them. And God will put you through some things that are bigger than you are so that you might learn to rely upon him. It's just the temptation to sin is never going to be bigger than where we are. The Lord knows where we are. He knows our maturity level. He knows all of those things about us, and he just doesn't let temptation come. But circumstances do indeed come, and maybe some of you have been through those kind of things. If not, you will. Just trust me, you will. So the Lord can and does deliver us out of situations by facing and enduring the storms. You've got to go through it. Just put your head down and keep on walking through the storm. And when he said, let us go across to the other side, then he meant it. Nothing was going to stop it. That is a promise. We're going to the other side. That is not going to be thwarted in any way. The disciples should have known that. And the appearance was one of defeat so that even the fishermen, the pros, were panicking in all of this. Now, that's what you've got to read in this. This wasn't just, oh, Houston, we've got a problem. This is the kind of thing to where, uh, Jesus, we've got a problem, and if you don't do something, there is absolutely no way out. Now, that's a place where I don't like to be, and I know you don't like to be, and yet that's a place where we desperately need to be dependent upon Jesus and Jesus alone. This storm came suddenly and fiercely. They weren't prepared for it. They had absolutely no warning, which brings us to number three. The Lord leads sovereignly and without panic. Where do I get that? Because the scripture tells us, but he was asleep. Now, can you imagine? Here's Peter, James, and John, the fishermen, Wake him up. We've got to have help. We are dying. We're not going to make it through all of this. How could Jesus sleep through that? He was at peace. He was at rest. He knew the storm was not bigger than he was. 
And he knew that all he had to do is speak a word and the storm had to obey. That's what caused the disciples to marvel so much. In Jesus' mind, it was, what are you panicked about? I told you we were going to the other side. It may be rough getting there, but that doesn't mean you're not going to get there. There is nothing that is going to overcome the word and the will of the Lord Jesus. He's asleep in the boat. So this is no accident. Just like the storms in our life, it had a purpose. He wanted to build their faith and bring glory to his name. And Jesus is unafraid because it was not in his destiny, as we said earlier, to die in a shipwreck. And likewise, you, this is important, are indestructible by humans, by governments, by natural disasters, by crime, wars, whatever it may be, until God calls you home. Did you hear that? You are indestructible by anything until it's God's will for you to go home. So they're telling us as I record this today that we may have severe weather tonight. Should we take precautions? Yeah, I think that's a wise thing to do. Should we be afraid, panicked? No, that's not anything that we need to do. Why? Because that storm cannot touch you. And if it's God's will for you to die in a tornado tonight, then there's nothing that anybody can do to stop it. And so uh, we've got to quit being afraid of everything that's happened because we're not going to die one second sooner, nor are we going to live one second longer than God has ordained for us to live. Now rest in that. You can sleep better when you think about that kind of thing. And God will put you into these situations so that he can remind you of his presence and his power. And the disciples weren't going to die or pardon me, they were going to die, but not here. Every one of them died. Not a one of them is alive today. They died. It's appointed unto man once to die. The wages of sin is death. That's true for all of us. But not in this situation, not here. Their death is going to come in a, at a later time and according to the plan and the will of the Father. And that's true even for Jesus. Which brings us to number four, the Lord leads with his presence and with his power. I'm so glad he's not just, um, I'm kind of fascinated by drones. And uh, the people that are piloting the drones are not in the drone though, right? It's kind of like a video game in some ways. But God's not playing a video game. God is not just um, controlling drones from a control center somewhere else. He has sent his spirit to indwell us. And that means that when we go through the storm, he is with us. He is going through it with us. He knows the turmoil. He knows the fear. He knows the problem. He knows the severity of the storm. In fact, he controls the severity of the storm, the length of the storm. Someone said one time that when you're walking through the fiery furnace, be of good cheer. He is with you and he has his hand on the thermostat. That's good to know. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't know that, but they found it out when they got into the fire. In fact, they really did not have any knowledge of the Son of God until they got into the fire, and they had been bound before they were thrown into the fire. I'm sure they didn't like being bound. It was probably too tight. It was probably uncomfortable. But then when they get in the fire, they're walking around unbound. Why? Because the fire burned the things that were holding them tying them together and tying their wrists together and their feet together, it burned them off. You know, the fire sometimes will set you free, and yet we are so afraid of the fires, we are so afraid of the storms, and yet the Lord knows that they are necessary, and He's got such a good and loving heart, He goes through the storms and through the fiery trials with us. Praise His holy name. Isn't that good? So his disciples came to him because he was there. They awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing. And he said to them, why are you fearful? And that's what we've been talking about now is why he would ask that question. It's a good question. I'm here. Why are you fearful? I've given you a command and a promise. Why are you fearful? This is no big deal. I can take care of that, you of little faith. And so he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, And there was a great calm. Don't you know it must have been a peaceful, wonderful, beautiful calm that came over the sea. And so the powerful storms are nothing compared to Jesus. Somebody told me one time, if you think you've got big problems, it means you've got a small God. But if you've got a big God, then you have small problems. And of course, we don't change God. It just means in our mind, the way we see God and the way we see him compared to our problems. Well, that's true of our storms as well. You've got a big storm and a small God, you've got a lot of problems. But if you've got a storm and a big God, then the storm begins to, well, as the song says, grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And when Jesus is with you, then you have nothing to fear. Well, what if I die? Then instant glory, instant heaven, right? He'll be with you. And so it's a test of faith, and it's also a faith builder. They were not forgotten by God. He's in the boat with them, and they have the attention of heaven in all of that. And they were already safe. The storm just didn't look like it, and it didn't feel like it in the storm, but they were already safe, even before Jesus said anything, because the storm could not possibly thwart the plan of God. And they weren't perishing. That's the way it looked, and that's the way that it felt, but it wasn't the reality. So in verse 27, it says, so the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea, these unruly things, even they obey him? Well, that's what you're going to learn as you go through the storms of life. You're going to marvel at Jesus. You're going to marvel at his power. And you're going to marvel at the fact that he can see you through and that his plan, purpose, and will were all fulfilled perfectly. His promises do not fail. And you're going to have the opportunity to see that and to review that forever in heaven. And we'll be all talking about how God did not fail and he did everything well. And we'll understand so much more then. But until then, just trust God. Walk with him. Know that he is with you. And know that his plan will never fail in your life. 
It's not an accident. It's an incident designed by God to bring you to where you ought to be. So I hope that encourages you today and hope that that will be used by you teachers to encourage somebody in your class because we do need encouragement. So I thank you for your time and I pray that God would add his blessing onto the reading and the study of his word and pray that you would grow in grace and knowledge. Thank you again for watching and we'll look forward to seeing you this next week.